the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 83, The Matt and Bradford Show, recorded March 23rd, 2013. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. And welcome to another edition of AV Week, your weekly roundup of AV news and AV culture. I'm George Tucker. Thanks for joining us today. We have some guests today. They are Bradford Ben, application expert from Harmon. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, even though I don't have any Starbucks, but I'm doing okay. I'll survive. I was about to say, there is a bit of a jitter to your voice, a little Jones in for the caffeine withdrawals. You well, Matt, Matt, Matt even sent me, you know, actually Matt's hair sent me some lovely Tim Hortons coffee, but that's all the way downstairs. And you guys wanted to start on time and man, building new amplifiers, then coming here without any coffee. It's just been a rough day. And you've already lost control of the show. So why don't I just introduce uh, Matt Scott, who <laughs> will be my co-host for this show. Hey, Brad, how you doing today? Today we're going to have a great show. We've also got Michael Drainer from Sensheimer. <laughs> that would be Sennheiser, Mr. Oh, Scott. Yeah, I know be, I know Canadians can't talk, but you know, that's a whole nother issue. Michael itself. Trainer, Midwest sales manager for Sennheiser. We'll get that proper. And Matt Scott, who is the president, he's too humble to admit it, of Omega Audio Video. And by the way, I'm just here to observe since uh, yes, Matt and exactly. uh, Brad are gonna but since, but since he's today. a president in Canada, it's only worth like a vice president here in the States. Yeah, it's <laughs> more like half a Biden. It's half a Biden and half a, uh, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, you John, need more, coffee more, more than people me. Hand it out. <laughs> They're going to put both of these gentlemen on a trip bag. They're going to keep them sedate. We're here for our entertainment only. If you guys are laughing and have fun, it's just better for everyone. Wait until Matt starts pontificating about LED light bulbs. Which we'll get to shortly. We'll get to shortly. But first, let's start with an, uh, a news story. This one comes from Commercial Integrator. Caught on camera, key mid-Atlantic employee accused of stealing. All I have to say to that one is, whoa. Matt, you're the owner of an AV installation company. This has got to be on your top, well, two worst nightmares. Yeah, this is definitely not something that we're, we ever like to see reports of. And, you know, you know it always happens. There's, there's always stuff like this going on. But it's never good to see it. And it's it's very difficult when it's, you know, someone who's, you know, not just showing up and then, you know, stealing from you and then taking off, but somebody who's been there for a while and, you know, really starting to do some stuff uh, and you find out that they're they're pilfering from you. It's very unfortunate. Yeah, I I've got to say, you, go ahead, Brad. I was going to say, I, I agree with you, Matt, but I wonder just because you as an integrator have a slightly different role than, than I'm playing, but are, is it better that it's from the company than from you know, worse, like being at a client's house or a job site uh, and pilfering from your customers? You know, is it is it the lesser yeah. of two evils? It, it is the lesser of two evils. I know that is always one of, one of my chief concerns bringing new clients on is, you know, we deal with a lot of different levels of, of customers. Some are very, very well to do. 
And you do have that moment when you walk into somebody's house and you're looking around and you're going, oh, God, this could be really bad. Um, and then you look at who's with you and go, I don't think any of these guys would. No, they wouldn't. do. No, 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 no. Uh, but we've actually we've never that I know of had anyone uh, in, in our company steal anything uh, from ourselves locally uh, as a company, but also from our clients that I know of. Although I have had a client steal stuff from from us, which is always entertaining. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it is definitely the lesser of two evils. If they're going to steal, I'd rather them steal from me than from a client because that just, you know, that that ruins your reputation very, very quickly. Well, I, I wonder because stealing is stealing. I know you're saying the rather than best case scenario, but I mean, isn't that sort of like the logic that someone says, no, no, it's okay to steal that. They leave the cheap stuff out there so that you can get away with it and they protect <laughs> the good stuff. Isn't that sort of the, the, you know, the shoplifter's logic, you know? Well, that's not the point I was kind of making. Sorry, Matt, but no, I was I was more of the as a company, you know, as the as the owner of a company like Matt is, you know, it's damaging the company, but which is yes a financial thing, but you're not damaging the company's reputation, which can be more financially damaging. So it's like, oh, I only broke one leg instead of two. Yeah, and, and that's what I was trying to allude to is that you know if. If one of our, you know, employees were to steal something from a, a client of ours, that is that's just going to have repercussions far beyond, you know, the replacement value of whatever they stole and the appeasing, uh, you know, that would have to go on with that client. They're going to, you know, it, it's like anything. You look on Angie's list, uh, for example, most people aren't going to write a big, long story about how great you guys were. You came and you took your boots off. They are going to write like crazy about that one company that came in and stole a pail. Um, I, I know even myself, we had a water heater replaced uh, in my own house uh, this past spring. And the company that came in and did it stole two of my big five-gallon buckets that I just keep around for random things. And to this day, as I'm bringing it up right now, that's the main thing I remember about that company is that he asked if he could use a bucket to take something outside and put garbage in, and then he stole my bucket. It's a bucket. It's you know only a bucket, but that's what I remember about that company. So in the world in which we play, you know, if I have a, a an employee that goes and rips off one of my clients, um, whether they you know come in after the fact and steal equipment we installed, uh, again not that that's happened, or you know they lift a watch that was left in the theater room. That will have repercussions far beyond the actual replacement value, uh, you know, just like in the story that we're talking about where the, the employee stole stuff out of the, you know, out of the warehouse. I can deal with that. If you want to steal cables, you know, lift some HDMI or whatever, that's one thing. You want to steal tools, we're not as happy about that. Uh, but good Lord, you, you know, you go in and you attack a, uh, you know, a customer that, that, can, that can sink an entire company really quickly. It sort of sounds to me like the old example of getting a, a nice cross check between the legs and saying, ha, missed both my legs. So. Sorry, what? <laughs> huh? Is that a hockey reference? Was it even is kind of a hockey reference. Didn't get, it. didn't get that one. It's sort of like getting a kick, kick between the legs and saying, hey, you missed both my other legs. Gotcha. Yes. Still yes. hurts a lot. Um, well, and it's, it's the trust issue, right? We yeah. all like to think that every one of our employees is that perfect upstanding citizen, but you know that not everyone is and, and not everyone's going to be able to resist that temptation to, you know, 
in our case, for example, you know, outfit their own theater. Mm. And, oh, you know, they just pulled, you know, $1,000 worth of HDMI stuff out of that, that client's house. They're probably not going to need it. It's just sitting in the warehouse, whatever. Um, that's, that's bad. And it's, you know, again, it does hurt the company. It, it hurts the trust level. And then as soon as it happens, you know that, you know, those employers are looking at every other employee going, oh, I really hope someone else isn't doing that. You know, Michael, we talk a lot about the balance between security and privacy. And on the show, we've talked a lot about, you know, what certain apps do or how we are securing our homes and don't want the cloud to control things. And yet here we have two examples, whether it's in the store or at the client's house, that you would probably anticipate and trust that someone was recording them on CCTV to make sure this kind of stuff doesn't happen. This guy was a trusted person that he knew at another job. And didn't do a background check on them. And now we've got this. So are we really stuck at the issue of we got to keep watching everybody all the time in our, in our, in our employee? Boy, that's a tough one. Because, you know, you, when you hire somebody, you hope, and, and as Matt was alluding to, that you can, you can trust the people that you hire. But unfortunately, even with, you know, lifelong relationships, sometimes people surprise you. And they let you down and they disappoint you. And whether or not you should put up CCTV cameras every time you go on a job site or not, you know, that's that's to be debated. It really comes down to managing and mitigating your risk and just making sure you're, you're following up on what's happening with your employees on a regular basis. I mean, trust is, is something that's earned. It shouldn't just be given and make sure that, that they earn that trust. And you don't just automatically, here's the keys to the warehouse. You, you know, you're on day number two, uh, go have fun. Hmm. It, I, I will say it was kind of interesting when I first came to Crown and Harmon, you know, I was like, okay, here's your badge to the building. And that was it. I literally could walk pretty much any place in the building 24-7 and walk in. And we did not have surveillance cameras then. And, yes, there was background checks and all that. And it's only been recently where it's become more of a, you know, you're only allowed to come in these hours and these doors. And we have video cameras and stuff like that. And I think part of that is what was interesting is alluding to in the article is that it was the inventory numbers that caught it and then led them to go look at the videotape. So I wonder mm. if it's if it's more of were people paying attention to it? Plus, you know, it sounds funny with how much time I spend in hotel rooms. I'm sure I've probably lost $70 worth of change and never even thought about it just because I leave it on the on the countertop, go out for the day. They, you know, clean up the room and I don't know whether or not there's change there or not. You didn't realize you were tipping? <laughs> That's the universal tip there. You know, oh, cool. It's tax deductible. But you know what I mean? Is it that, is it that no one is paying attention and the video surveillance is a deterrent or you're taking the gamble of, oh, that camera's not really on? I still think you need a certain amount of controls anyway over your system. You, you uh, need, beyond you need the controls. Video. Yeah, you, you got to have levels of control. But the fact of the matter is nothing is 100% secure. And when you're in business, that's unfortunately the risk that you take when you hire employees and you're, you're going on site and into a, a job site. You got to trust that your people are doing the right thing. And if they're not, you got to deal with it immediately. And unfortunately, sometimes companies do get tarnished and integrators get tarnished because of the actions of, of an employee. But I think what's important is more what you do with that. What action do you take? as a result of what happened. And, you know, swift action, I think, is very important. Don't don't meander around and try to make a decision about what you're going to do. And in this particular situation, 
with Mid-Atlantic, the, the executives, they moved swiftly, quickly, and they did the right things. They called the police immediately. They got the ball rolling. And, you know, there's no tolerance for something like that. Zero. In, their, in my opinion, there's no varying level between uh, the petty theft of, well, you know, I'm going to steal an HDMI cable because I need one in the warehouse and, you know, taking a, um, something from a client's home. They, they're, they're on the same no, level as far as I'm concerned. I'm with you on that, and I do agree. And there's, you know, it's one thing if you if you go and you know go, hey boss, we're gonna chuck this out. Can I have it? Right. That's that's one thing. And there are even laws about that of if the company is writing it off as un as unusable goods, you can't. You actually have to destroy it and all those types of things. Mm-hmm. But the the other thing I think that is critical to this is to not punish the remaining employees, for lack of a better phrase. Well, and that, and that gets into a whole bigger issue, Bradford, which is the whole, you know, making rules for the norm and managing to the exception, because what we tend to see is companies do just the opposite. Somebody acts and does something inappropriate or unbecoming of a model employee, and all of a sudden there's 30 new policies that roll out that say, okay, no more this, no more that, and they're punishing all the people that do conduct themselves in a, in a, in a model fashion. So I think you hit the nail on the head there, right? It's, it's dealing with things quickly, promptly, swiftly, and setting the examples for those who do decide to conduct themselves in a the good only, manner. The only other comment I'd make on that, though, is that as much as I do agree, you don't want to go after and you know actively try to hurt your good employees because one employee screwed up. But what I've noticed, uh, especially just because of some of the work that we do, is that what usually seems to happen is it's not so much that you're trying to hurt those other employees. It's that you didn't realize that you had this weakness in your in your business, in your system, whatever, uh, that was brought to light by this employee who did something bad, who stole or, or, or whatever. And it prompted you to look, you know, take a step back and go, oh, wow, we really were not on top of this. We really should have, you know, had our inventory control much tighter, had our cash much tighter, had, you know, all of that tighter locked down much more substantially and it was that that <clears throat> you know bad employer that brought that to light and made you realize that yeah you, we really need to up our game in this and you know we had a couple clients that went through that type of situation and it's not that they're now going after their their other good employees it's that they're they realize that they'd been become really lax you know they had they had made it just as Brad said where you know people could come anytime there was no there was no tracking there was no following nothing and there was an awful lot of inventory just sitting around that was never really fully secured never really taken care of because it was just there with open access to anybody with a card whereas now because they had an issue they're locking it down they're making sure that it's a little bit more you know restricted and 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 controlled and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing uh, as, as long as you're not you know sitting down and going to every person and say, hey, Johnny stole, don't you do it. Well, and, you know? I, and I don't think we're saying, <laughs> and I don't think we're saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, don't act in haste. Make sure that, that you know, you, you act on the negative thing quickly and promptly. But when you go to reevaluate your policies and, and how you're going to lock things down and your security measures and things like that, be calculated in that approach. Don't overcompensate because of a, of a weakness. Make sure that you're applying what you need to apply to protect at the same time, keep productivity high and morale high because it will be very demoralizing to the employees. Now that's, yeah, now that said, 
um, one of the things that security does and, and these policies do is it keeps the honest people honest because the dishonest are going to find ways around it one way or another. Well, They're going to yeah. find a way around it. A lot but of also- only keeps out, you know, the, the unhonest person, the person that's kind of coming in steel. Right. The, the honest person is not going to come to your front door, try the thing and go, oh, it's unlocked. Let me go in and steal something. They're going to go, oh, Matt forgot to lock his front door. I should call him and let him know that he didn't lock his front door. Well, and, and my big question is how many of these, because we know this happens in corporate America all the time. It happens in AV integration firms. It happens at manufacturers. Um, how many of them are crimes of opportunity versus preconceived, hey, you know what? I'm going to go in every day and I'm going to take, you know, one thing of a jig off of the shelf. And, you know, I'm going to funnel those over to eBay and I'm going to make some extra money on the side. And, yeah, one, you know, it's one a wheel at a time. Right, right. So, so you, you mitigate the opportunity. You know, you reduce the opportunity for crime and you're going to see, you know, some some changes. But there's also, I think, the other approach, which is, and we've talked about how do you deal with it, but it's not just how do you, how do you look at the surveillance, how do you do this, how do you do that. It's also you want to get your employees to be part of the team. Exactly. Yes. I, I can use the better example of Casual Friday. You know, you don't want to have to cat have to cancel Casual Friday because one person wore something inappropriate. But you should use that as a, you know, we have customers, they trust us with this, we have to represent the brand, we want you guys to be comfortable. However, in order to represent the brand and the company well, we ask that you do this, this, and this. And that's a lot better than saying, no jeans allowed. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, well, never a good thing, but so moving on. We've Can I got say one, one more thing? Can I? Uh, sure. Does this mean I can't wear jeans? You, uh, no jeans for I you. I just wanted to, to, I'm worried about Becky Duck and, you know. <laughs> Since she's with child, we should make sure this is Mid-Atlantic Control Systems, not Mid-Atlantic, the rack company, just so yes, no one gets there panicked. Go. There you go. <laughs> All right. From tvlicensing.co.uk comes a story about TV usage. Uh, three things in this article stood out to me, guys. One was that um, what makes us happiest to watch? They say comedies, but we seem to view less and less of them. That with that, we have fewer TVs in our house, but we're watching more hours of television. And that less than 1% of us are time-shifting totally. Matt, this is run your wheelhouse of installations. Do you find that uh, your clients are doing less TVs and and more hours on stuff like that? No. (laughs) Not at all. No, granted, I'm also in Canada, so it is a slightly different spec. Um, That being said, no, we're we're definitely not installing less TVs. Uh, If anything, we're putting TVs in more locations. Um, but I will say that what is what is being viewed definitely has changed. We, you know, we are seeing a lot more people who, you know, you still have your mainstays. People want to watch sports. They want to watch, you know, movies, etc. But, you know, just like everyone else knows, the reality TV stuff has really skyrocketed gigantically. And I think that's probably more what they're referring to is that, you know, those scripted dramas, those scripted uh, soap operas. And, you know, the scripted comedy shows are not uh, getting the viewership that they used to, uh, whereas, you know, again, Big Brother or whatever is continuing to take off. Um, Like, gosh, just look at the numbers that a show like Duck Dynasty can post, which, you know, five years ago, if you said that people all over North America would be watching a show about guys with beards that are gigantic talking about shooting ducks – uh, I don't think most people would 
believe that that would become a incredibly popular show. And yet today it, it is one of the most popular, you know, reality shows uh, on the market today. But Matt, you, you forget their millionaire bearded. Well, dogs. yes, I, di- I didn't say they were cheap. I just said, you know, <laughs> that, hey, hey, hey. Well, Bradford, this, this also, Bradford, this also speaks to the second screen phenomenon that they're saying in Europe, at least, or in the UK and the surrounding area, that people are watching more content on smaller portable screens. The whole mobile revolution, although I don't know if I'd call a tablet mobile in the sense that we think of it. But well, I, uh, is this what was going to happen to us? Yeah, I actually think so. So I, I, I think that some of the information, yes, it's the UK, and they have a different style of watching than we do here in the States. Uh, but I also think that part of it is that because of the DVRs, people have, you know, would record everything they thought they wanted to watch and would only watch the things they wanted to watch. And then they realized, I only watched these seven shows and started just watching those live. But I think the mobile thing is the bigger one because – you know, with how much I travel, I think I'm at 20,000 miles already this year, is, you know, just I'll do it all mobile. I don't have a TV in my office, but I have, let's see, four computer screens, and I can stream eight hockey games at the same time, although I'm not really sure I count the make-beliefs as a hockey game, but it's good comedy. It's <laughs> it is comedy. <laughs> Again, uh, it, it's the original well, this, reality comedy TV yeah. show. And but what it is is and you know I'm stuck in hotel rooms and I can watch the display in the hotel room that has eight channels and horrible picture, or I can use something that I transferred from my DVR to my iPad and watch it on my iPad, or I can stream something live, and do that mobile. So I think that's a lot of what's happening, is that people are not sitting in front of the TV because now the TV comes with them or the video content comes with them. Because I wonder if we looked at at overall video content consumed, if that's gone up, when you think about YouTube and, you know, VMO and other home movies and Facebook and all that stuff, if your overall video content is staying the same, just the traditional stuff comes over the air or, well, I guess now via cable into your house and you watch it. Well, so I think it's more of a change of how it's delivered. When you look at uh, the numbers for Netflix in North America, they are consuming, I believe it's like 70% of all network traffic in the U.S. is Netflix between the hours of, I believe it's 7 o'clock and 11 o'clock per time zone uh, every night. That's a massive amount of video being watched that may not be on the main screen. It may be on a laptop. It may be on an iPad. It may be on, you know, an Android. But it, it, it's a huge amount of video that's still being consumed that, again, just may not be showing up in the standard Nielsen family residence uh, as those rating or, or that rating system continues to kind of decline uh, just, again, because of the – uh, proliferation of those second screen devices and those multiple viewing systems. I know for myself in my office, I've got a 60 inch plasma and then at any given time, four or five different devices around me. It is not uncommon for me to sit here, have CNN on or a movie on or a commentary on or something on my main screen, working on my laptop, having my other computer doing something else and still have an iPad in front of me showing me something on Netflix. And that's, you know, again, for me, that's fairly normal. But that's not normal in the sense of a, a standard Nielsen TV rating system. 
Yeah, it's like how do you how do you count something like streaming? Like right now with March Madness going on here in the states, you know, if someone's streaming basketball games to their work computers, not I endorse that kind of behavior. <laughs> you know, you could be watching four games at once or more. And like same thing when I watch my hockey games that I'm streaming, I'm watching four games on one screen. They don't know how to count that, and you know, it's a whole lot of content coming at you. I actually think we've reached the point of saturation where I'm going to bet you if you asked Matt what he saw on the TV, if it wasn't a hair care product ad, I'm not sure he could tell you what was on CNN. (laughs) No, I couldn't. And and right now I am. But you know what? Matt Scott's hair could. Yeah, my hair could tell you every every (laughs) hair care product ad, although we do not endorse Axe. Although although George and I are just jealous given the the (laughs) amount of hair we have. That's all right. well, I don't know about I'm, you, buddy, but my dome shines proudly. So hey, <laughs> next time I get a cut, I, I, we are more than happy to send it your way. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll look good. Canadian hair on my bald American head. There you, <laughs> there you go. go. All right. Well, international incident. Moving <laughs> on, gentlemen. Next moving on. Story. have <laughs> a new foe for Apple. This comes from our friends at Engadget.com. Audio Titan THX has filed a suit against Apple. They're claiming that well, they say here, Cook & Company infringed on a patent for its speakers, the very thin folded speakers. Uh, I'll put it this to you, Matt. Is this trouble for Apple? Are they getting themselves into a loss of innovation and more lo- lawsuits down the road? I don't think so, but I'd, I really don't know. <laughs> Apple's done so much stuff this the last couple of years. This is one of those ones where... I really don't know if they're infringing on a patent. I don't know enough about uh, the speakers that they're putting into their iMacs, uh, having never broken one down yet. Uh, it, it may be an infringement. It may not be. It, we're to the point with most innovation where it doesn't matter what the product is. Someone is somewhere going to sue you for it. As well, soon I as just, you, I'm going to have to sue you for giving away my patent troll idea of suing someone just for suing someone. Well, exactly. Well, and like <laughs> Apple just re- – they didn't announce it, but it got leaked uh, about two weeks ago. They are in the process of patenting their store design. What? To the point of, yeah, yeah, yeah. long long tables with stools. Oh, come on. You know, yeah, yeah, they're, when, they're when telling the, the truth. All right, yeah. all right, all right. I'm done they're with this. Even when is it going to stop? Front. Seriously. Well, and that's 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 well, more what I'm getting. You know, at. I, I mean, it's a lot of these patent fights anymore are over just common sense issues. You know, the well, fa- they're different you, kind of patents also, and that's one of the things. Well, that, yeah, you've got yeah. Go ahead, though. Well, I was gonna say you got design patents and technology patents, and I see the logic of the design patent. It's like having a trademark on the Coca-Cola dynamic ribbon. But I'm with you. Some of these patents are getting silly. I'm gonna patent the idea of breathing in air that contains oxygen to Actually, live. I already did that. And it's an oh. international patent, so I'm yeah. gonna have to patent exhaling carbon dioxide for oh, plants. I forgot that one. Oh. <sighs> I nice. knew I forgot something. Oh, I could do shake my head at that. I mean, seriously. <laughs> what, really? Long tables? This? Long freaking tables? You're gonna patent that? Okay, yeah, I, well, I understand if you're going to put the Apple logo in the middle of it and you're going to say, hey, that's a trademark. Okay, you can't use this with a trademark, but hey, you know what? I could put somebody else's logo. It's a freaking table. Well, well no, see, the other gotta, side. Sorry, Sorry, go ahead, Brad. I was going to say, I got to agree with some of this from a manufacturer standpoint because we do get manufacturers' patents and on design front panels so we can patent our front panels so that someone can't knock off our product and put a different logo on oh, it. Oh, we do, we do so, the exact same thing. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, it's just it's faster 
to patent the store because that's a faster and can be in process before the trademark comes out. You know what I mean? Because yeah, and that's that's the most part what everyone does now is right. when they're building products, they patent every single part that they can. Yep. And even the ones they can't, they'll attempt to patent because it makes more sense. And it again, it just it protects their back end. The other side of this too, though, is look how much press this is generated for THX. Not that they're not unknown, but again, outside of our community, if I walk across the street and ask my neighbor what THX is, he's going to probably say, hey, isn't that the new Lincoln? No, no, no. That's the movie that Lucas did that oh, was, yeah, was I, able to I, use I... to fund Star Wars. <laughs> no, it's the and, kind of a re- it's the, the brand of my AV receiver. Ah, uh, perfect. Yeah. Wouldn't they also know the THX? Like in, in the head of many DVDs, you have that little bouncing. Yes. Right? Yeah. The ball you know, and, and the yeah, robot. And stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I've got the little robot on my shelf back here. But, you know, again, it's. It, well, I wonder as this. I said, I, they, pat, they, they fight over everything. Well, I wonder this, guys, and I'll leave this as an open question because THX doesn't seem, from the, what I can find in the news, to sue very often. Um, and them doing it means that they do, do feel directly threatened by someone using this technology and not giving them credence. Now, I know they've got a lot of things they make money on, but you've got to wonder when a company like that who is not prone to putting up the suit says, hmm, we need to go after you and make this a public affair. Yeah, and... You know, my thought on it would be that if Apple used it, they either knew they used it or they had no idea because it was just something that they started and did, uh, which, you know, from my standpoint, I cannot imagine trying to be a startup and bring some technology to the table because every it, it, it's like every song. Every song is based on some other song, some other part of some song somewhere. Oh, you're going to spend two years We're, just researching your technology exactly, to see if there's exactly. a patent that it's you're going to up against. It's to the point where, yeah. you know, from a music standpoint, you can't, there's no such thing as an original lyric or an original arrangement anymore. It's all the same. It's all rehash of stuff that we've been doing for the last 50 years. So, well, sorry. I was going to say, I wonder if this is a marriage gone bad. Yeah. Mm. Well, it doesn't seem to say that there was any indication of that, but uh, we'll but, have to see how this well, but shakes But these out. are also b- two very closed, closed, tight-lipped companies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. THX does not broadcast stuff like crazy. Apple definitely doesn't broadcast anything uh, outside of maybe earning reports. <laughs> um, it, it, it could be, you know, just as Brad said, something where they were working together and all of a sudden Apple stopped and maybe didn't totally change their speaker design. So well, all right. Well, I want to remind everyone, if they've stayed with us this long, that you are listening to AV Week from AV Nation. With me today are Bradford Ben, Matt Scott, and Michael Drainer. Gentlemen, this one is also from Engadget Player, the clever wireless video streaming HDMI dongle. Players is this little device that is a transmitter and a receiver. It goes to your laptop and one to your TV, and you can stream from your mobile device, i.e. your laptop, to the TV with HD quality. They call it beam to the big screen. Is this, uh, Bradford, is this something that you see that your clients will be looking for? Is this just a simple add-on, or do you see more to this than just the simple product? Well, I can't really say my clients because, well, I'm an audio guy. Uh, but I do see a lot of a lot of this going on. I'll be the first to admit I always, you know, to me this is Apple TV and AirPlay uh, opened up 
It's the Barco. Oh, I forget the name Link of share. it. Link Thank you. Yep. That, you know, from the boardroom brought home. I think this is. <laughs> it's much cheaper than the ClickShare. Yes. yes, it is. <laughs> but I think this is this is really going to be something really cool. I think people will use it. I think what I, the place I think it's going to have a win that isn't really thought about is two places. One is for the boardroom. So you come in, you bring your laptop, you plug this in, and poof, you're on the big screen. And I think that's going to fail because it's Wi-Fi and people are, aren't going to have all the all the little issues, even though they say they can do its own hotspot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I think it's going to win for is people are going to start taking their old laptops that they, you know, are three years old and, you know, run very slowly or Chromebooks or other things and just use them as streaming media servers very simply. So you can literally sit on the couch, do all your control and stuff, and put it up on the big screen just like Apple TV and AirPlay can do. So I do think it's it's a good move. I think it's the proof to me is going to be seeing what it looks like because you know anyone can stream to over an HDMI or can stream video. It's making it look good and sound good, I think, is going to be the key. The other thing is, uh, as I call it, the wife acceptance factor. Mm-hmm. How e- easy is it to use? And I can feel a slap coming up from my wife, time delayed by a couple hours when she hears this. Well, Matt, <laughs> here's the question I have. Yeah. If you watch the video, you saw that this device can continue to stream the content even when the laptop is closed yes. and put into hibernation mode. Does this have any kind of real threat for distributed television systems that we put in? Um, I don't it, – it may. The technology probably definitely does. The concern I have is you know, if you're trying to deploy this over multiple screens for a digital signage application, uh, the functionality of it could be questionable. <laughs> Again, my, my main concern, uh, like Brad's, is dealing with the Wi-Fi network side of it. It, in that situation, it could be a little difficult to to work with. Although that fact that you can shut it down, I'm really interested to see some actual specs on what that means. Yeah, I.e., if I'm streaming YouTube, can I do that? How what? long is it going to take? What's you know what codecs will it work with? How long does it have to buffer uh, before I could actually shut my laptop down and just watch it on the TV? But but it's Chrome dependent. <laughs> Right. You know, well, again, it, yeah, it's built. It's built on their API and in their on their platform. So, you know, my question is: Is it the transmission side that's grabbing the stream and then retransmitting it over the the link to the HDMI device, or is it the receive side that then picks up that link and starts streaming it independent of the laptop? Well, so that's what I'm curious of the to dongle, say. Dongle, I'd have to oh, say it's, it's a, the transmitter side. It's a beast. Well, yeah. Now, <laughs> now, that, now that's going to put a hamper on the wife acceptance factor right there. Yeah. But the other side is that. Yeah, the I think that the transmitter has to transcode it because I think that the receiving dongle you'd never be able to put enough to be able to have every different codec in it of H two sixty four, MP four, you know, all those different things, Pro QTV. Res, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I think it's got to be the transmitter, and the other thing I'm I'm always kind of wondering about is. Uh, so, wonder what the battery life is on the laptop when you have that plugged in. <laughs> yeah, that's mm, a good question. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other side is it's a cool application. Hey, look, I can shut down my computer and still watch what I was streaming. But who really cares? You know, again, this is to me this kind of hits that whole GS4 thing of, 
oh, look, the video paused as I looked away. Awesome. I, I don't need that. I, I just want it to work when the computer's running. If it works when my computer's running, I'm happy. If yeah, I can, you know, just as Brad said, go grab one of my old, you know, Macs or one of my old netbooks, plug it in and stream our limited content of Netflix to my TV without, you know, having to be within the confines of my beloved Apple TV. I'm cool with that. I don't and need I don't, it to shut down. Yeah. I just, I just want it to work normally. But don't you think that the bigger the application here is that is the mobile feature of it though? I mean, the, yeah, the HDMI from the laptop to the display is cool, but you know, it's for all the Android users who don't have an Apple TV. Yeah, you know, right. The, and, you, and you don't so have the AirPlay environment. So many of the new TVs, and obviously this is great for TVs that are not newer, but almost every new TV that's coming out this year has that built into it. And the other thing I'm gonna say is, being someone who travels a bunch, I'll be honest. What I do is I just have a HDMI cable and the you know the little adapter that goes into the mac and i plug that into the tv because i you never know what the wireless environment is going to be like and i don't want to have to think okay do i have to change it to channel one to get around the hotel that's broadcasting on six or is broad is the hotel doing spread spectrum or do, or what happens if the neighbor want uh, to just plug it in done i know it works well and it's kind of like goes wireless to... mics versus wired which right, one's easier right mm. well and that goes back to what george was talking about in the second display thing you know i mean, I mean honestly brad I, I travel a lot too not as much as you do i'm only at ten thousand miles this year <laughs> slacker <laughs> <laughs> however um that said i do watch a lot of content on my ipad and my iphone sitting in the yep, hotel so do I. and and i you know i don't waste time with the display i don't waste time with the laptop i pull up my ipad i pull up netflix and away i go um yep. so I, I really see yeah this is a cool technology but really are we starting to see us move away from that altogether and are these guys just to the table a little bit too late i i do feel that especially for the early adapters we're beyond this oh way mm. way, you know, way and, and i don't it. mean to sound cocky when i say that but you know we don't really care like I don't, I don't need to, and this is the part that I always have trouble with when I'm dealing with end users, uh, especially the more cost-effective end users, is trying to explain to them that yeah, watching low-res YouTube on your built-in streaming product on your TV is gonna look like crap. You know how bad it looks on your laptop? Yeah, make that ten times bigger, twelve. 13, 14, you know, 20 times bigger on your TV. It's going to look like dirt. Who cares? I'd rather watch the low res on my iPad than try and watch it on a 60 inch display. Worse, a, you know, 120 inch projection system. Well, it seems like it is, as Michael said, uh, a way around the Apple ecosystem and having some of the advantages of that without having to buy the fruit, as some would term it. Um, although I may be joining the fruit owner soon because my Android fruit. phones. Are yes. not very happy, and my wife really wants an Apple iPhone, so we may just have to do it. Yes, dear. Do it. Yes, They're dear. fun. Wife They're acceptance so, factor is high. Wife I acceptance factor. Oh, it is. Michael, it is. You, won't, you won't regret it. <laughs> Moving on to give us a little light here and get us out of the dark. This is from the Augusta Chronicle. Smart LED bulbs still have much to learn. This is an article, I guess, via the Associated Press, where the author compares a number of wirelessly controlled dimming and bulbs that can change their color. You may have seen some of these on the iPhone ad lately under the Brilliance uh, one where they can change the colors of the, the bulb and set the mood of the room. Matt, you're often very, very quiet about lighting and other things very. of that nature. Always. 
Is this something that's worthwhile putting in, or is this just a fad? Where is it going? It's never going to my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, All right, moving on, Brad. No. <laughs> I'm just wondering what the ground hum will be if, if you start controlling these wireless lights. You it's know, I'm awesome. just worried about. Wait up! We own a lighting company now. I can't make lighting jokes anymore. Dang it! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least your lighting products are really good. Okay, I'll go. I'll go with that. Yeah. 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 I, I do think, though, th this is – I could see this more for architectural than for home. And I know I'm splitting hairs, but for commercial things, I could see this in but, the boardrooms, in the walls. I kill as, it right now. No. Okay. Just because I think you and I would both agree that putting in – we would both love to put in a nice, big, expensive wall washer that can give you the, the nice glow – blue to green to amber glow on the wall that matches the pictures and the mood of the building and makes your client feel all warm and fuzzy, especially when you hand them a couple million dollar bill. But that's going to add a couple million dollars to the bill. To be able to do this cost effectively, oh, and it looked cool on the Apple uh, ad, starts to become a little bit of reality. And I think people are going to go, oh, I can... I think it's going to be a bigger win because people are going to be thinking about the bulbs instead of realizing, why don't I just get an IP-controlled switch? I'm going to control the bulb, and I can make it change colors? Win. Well, Brad, and that's something I want to ask Michael from a, from a manufacturer's perspective. You see an ad about some product that may or may not be within your realm, but let's say you are someone who sells, like Matt and, and uh, Brad, lighting stuff. Is this a sales advantage for you going you know that's really cool but here's the disadvantages let me show you what we do sell you've almost got an upsell from an ad that you know is a pretty poor product but you say hey i can give you that it's going to be more reliable sure <laughs> <laughs> All right. can i jump in on that you, you did you yeah. did you did say i'm an audio guy right <laughs> yeah, yeah you've done some other stuff no no absolutely you know i mean can you use it as an upsell? Sure, sure you can. Um, you know, a good salesperson can sell you a bag full of, of whatever and, and make you walk away happy. So anything that you can do to, you know, increase the sale is going to be a good thing, provided it's a quality product, good solution, and it's able to meet the customer's needs. Um, I think what you're going to see, and I'm, I'm kind of with Bradford on this one, in the residential space, I just, you know, for high-end resi, maybe at this stage, but, you know, when I walk through the box store and I see LEDs, it's like, yeah, you know, I can go to Costco and buy a four-pack for 99 cents of, of CFLs, and that's what I do. So I hate CFLs. I hate them. But you get the LEDs at a price point where I can afford them or make, where it makes sense to do it. That's a whole other story. No, no, I understand the CFL hate, but I also understand the idea of I like having money in my wallet to go buy audio stuff. Thank you very hey, much. I'm not knocking that. <laughs> but back to back to me. It's all about it's your all hair, about Matt. Matt. I know, I know. It's all about now, Matt. Well, this is the this is the story I got super excited about. The in in regular residential where I see this is the the tweaker, the guy that wants to show off and hey, look what I can do with my phone. Um, the concern I have with most of these products is that they're smart when they're turned on and as long as they stay on they record and stay or sorry and keep those settings in their system memories as soon as you hit that switch that light resets everything else changes and from a you know from a lighting standpoint from a lighting design standpoint uh, this is one of those products that we stay very very far away from 
we will put in LEDs. We have no problem with LEDs. We'll put in light changing LEDs. Again, no problem. But you have to make sure you're controlling them properly to achieve the proper result. If I'm putting this in, you know, the bedroom of a kid who wants to be able to play with the lights or in their playroom or something, and they can turn the light on and off as they want from the switch, and then they can pull out their their phone and, you know, make it blue for when they're playing with the dolls or, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's great. But if we're trying to, you know, work in a high-end residence and we're trying to, you know, light the room properly, we're trying to create a, you know, a proper feeling and aesthetic within that space, we're not going to go with something like this, albeit some of these are not cheap products, uh, but we're going to go with something that gives us the actual control we want. And yeah, can we still control it with a phone? Sure. But we're going to go with something that's designed to be controlled properly. As uh, Whereas these are more of a, you know, almost a gimmicky type, hey, look what I can do thing. My concern is kind of the same for the commercial space. For those those smaller commercial facilities, yeah, that'll be fine. But to do, you know, proper boardrooms and large-scale stuff where you have that professionalism that needs to be applied, yeah, that's where there are other products that will suit that need much, much better. Granted, as stuff like this continues to come out and be produced, it will continue to drive that price down. And it will get closer to that, you know, CFL Michael, you're breaking my heart. Um, to uh, hey, that hey, CFL hey, level, I would use incandescents if I could. You know, I hey, we still them. do. Oh, I know. We still do. Why don't you ship absolute... some to me? I, I'll sell you anything you want, man. <laughs> heard it but, here first. Heard Wait, it here he, first. See, he likes me better. He sends me coffee as gifts. I He's know. Selling you stuff. I know he does. Oh, I didn't I'll, say hey, sell I'll, it to me. I said I ship it send, to me. I'll send you a light bulb, Michael. I'll send you a light bulb. <laughs> will it be a functioning light bulb or will hey. it be one that's all used up and done being a no, dark no, no. sucker? No, no, no. I'll, I'll send them one. I've got actually in my office right now, we just put in some new fixtures and we actually have the 40-watt Edison old school bulbs. Nice. The big clear You're ones. You're talking about the A40s? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Man, we are nerds when we know the part numbers for you light got bulbs. It. And it is beautiful. It's got this nice honeycomb, uh, uh, I'm totally blunt, filament in it. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Um, but, again, it's it's one of those things where with lighting in general, as long as you dim your bulbs properly and you're using high-efficacy fixtures, it's not hard to achieve the life that you want. It's not hard to uh, – out of the bulb, I mean um, – achieve the energy usage you're looking for while maintaining, you know, good light in your, in your house, in your facility, et cetera. Well, uh, let me ask you a question quickly. Yes, sir. Let me think about your wife for a second. Yes. And if she was going out to sell a house, for those of you who don't know, Matt's wife is a real estate agent. Uh, would she, do you think this is one of those markets where she could put in some of these less expensive RF, you know, iOS controlled devices to make the house look warmer and better using her her phone as a you know a staging tool instead of just it, hey the room's on it is and it, it's actually one of those things that you know obviously my wife is she's around me so she's stuck with constantly hearing me talk like this about lighting <laughs> but it is one of those things where we're starting to see this becoming more of a staging element because so many people have Michael CFLs in their house that make their home look ugly. It makes everything look oh, like junk. I didn't say I had them everywhere. I just have them where I need light, you know? <laughs> well, well, Michael, I think I have the new plan for you. 
<laughs> what you need to do is find a real estate agent that you can rent your light bulbs to <laughs> so she can stage or he can stage <laughs> the house they're selling. Then you can take that money and get the light bulbs back. You can buy your cheap CFLs, <laughs> there we go. have money for audio, and then still have the light bulbs around to make Matt happy. <laughs> it's, nice. You know, again, it, it's one of those things where, you know, back to the LEDs. They're great. They will be used. People will love them because people like to be able to control stuff from their phone. You can control, you know, the whole line of Denon and Morant's receivers from phones now. Is it cool? Sure. Is it effective? Yeah, okay. Sure. We'll smile and say, yeah, why not? Great. Um, but, it, you know, again, it comes down to that. I really don't want to have to pull out my phone. Every time I want to turn a light on, I just want to walk in the room and hit the stupid switch and let there be light. You know, and, and, see, I and if I want to dim them, I want to be able to dim it. I love my little $30 Lutron IR dimming system in my basement. Oh. I love it. I it's, said my it's, favorite word. It's a three button remote control. I point it at the wall and I can dim the lights. Oh, guess what? There's a switch on the wall. I can walk over and hit the button too. Oh, see, so you guys are thinking too low tech. What I want. <laughs> is I want a Bluetooth-enabled light switch. So when I have my phone in my pocket and I walk into the room, the light turns on. Why don't you when my those? wife walks into the room, the light turns on the way that she likes. But she doesn't like the ceiling fan light. With my cheap CFLs, she likes the old incandescents. You know, I so it moves you, you can do that. You can do that. <laughs> I'm cheap. How do you think I'm able to afford the nice the nice you know, incandescents for her? Matt, Matt will hook you up with a Pro Tool and some RFIDs, no problem. Well, here's a question about the bulbs, though. You're talking about the LEDs. People are still complaining, though, about the white of LEDs. Now, I thought a number of years ago at some of the lighting trade shows that we had solved this problem. Even the we USGA have. had started to talk about it and stuff like that. Well, this guy is saying that these are bad. Is it just a bad bulb or are LEDs in general bad? I'm, oh, the article? Yes. Yeah, yeah no. I being and this is one you know full disclosure we own a lighting Harmon my employer owns a lighting company now it depends on how much money you spend on the LEDs it's just like a an A40 incandescent you can get a cool white a warm white or that ugly you know i don't know what you call it call it just by what the coatings are and you can get a, a tint to that it's if you look at at TV style lighting and all the high end photography lighting and stuff you can get unbelievably good whites at different color temperatures and all that it's just they cost more so if you want to spend 99 cents for cfl quality lighting with a blue tint to it you can do that if you want better color like matt does you can spend more on those it's the difference between an ipod that's playing back in an mp3 at you know 128 kilobits and a cd player that's playing back you know at full bandwidth 44 1 48 uh, 24 bit depth. It's your perp, your choice. Matt just needs the good light for his hair. Well, well yes, that, it is. It is helpful. If yeah. I had Matt's hair, I'd be able to afford good light. See, <laughs> see, I, I, have, I prefer to spend my money on the higher quality audio on my iPhone versus, you know, on the light. But that's just well, me. And, and here's here's the, the biggest too. issue with LEDs that's hampering LEDs right now. It is still a completely unregulated space. There are no constants. There are no manufacturing con constants uh, yet across the board. So you do, just as Brad said, you have everyone from the guys who are knocking off anything and everything in China 
to the manufacturers that are actually putting money into the products that they make. But aren't there just a handful? And maybe I maybe I'm misunderstanding this. I thought there were just a handful of manufacturers that actually do the encapsulation of the diodes and create the elements themselves. And yeah, there else is, is only a handful. But again, it, it's like TVs. There are still only a couple of manufacturers that actually make the products, but what goes into those products varies dramatically brand to brand and even line to line within a brand. So with LEDs, you have a lot of stuff that's just, in all honesty, total junk that's on the market today that looks like crap, lights like crap, has terrible color reference, and then you have some stuff that's really, really good. And the other side that you have to throw in there is that the people who are buying the bulbs or who are specking the bulbs, a lot of times they don't know what they're buying or what they're specking. So they don't understand, you know, the Kelvin temperatures, the light output, the lumen temps, or sorry, the lumen amounts, etc. There's a lot of information that can be uh, dealt with in these bulbs because you can have an LED that, you know, copies a, you know, a, a, an Edison 40 up to your brightest TV blue spec light you need. Um, there's everything in there and you can make an LED do whatever you want in that spectrum. But most of them come out in that nasty, you know, 7,000 Galvin temp, ugly blue, white shading like junk thing. And I'll stop now. As I, as I call <laughs> it, you know, elementary <laughs> school bathroom color. Yeah. I was about to say, Matt, you know, it's just really hard when I'm on the show with you because I have to draw <laughs> and tease everything. Out I know of you. you do. I know you, know, you it's, do. It's often been said that, every, that my friends go, God, you have an opinion on everything. And I'm like, yeah, you haven't met Matt Scott. No. Yeah, so. what, what I like about <laughs> hanging out with Matt, with Matt is usually Tim, you know, says I talk too much on the shows. And here Matt is. And I know. <laughs> exactly. Nothing. And now we've got you both on here at once. Like church nuns at this yeah. moment. I, I do have a exactly. question for, for Matt, though, just to stroke his ego <laughs> even more. Oh, I have to make the go. show run two hours. So just have a spike <laughs> now. <laughs> By the way, folks, if you're wondering, yes. Tim Albright will be back next week. Sure, he'll God. be back next week. Uh, so be this, much more otherwise, this might even be a two-parter, so we might not be back till the week after with the uh, way me and Matt are going. It's the Matt and Brad show. Or the, the Brad and Matt, Matt show. show. I'll give you top billing. You've got better hair. I've got, you know, it's always looks before brains. Hey, there you go. Wow, but, I'm hurt. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I wonder, about those days? Do, you, do you see that some of the downfall of LED lighting is the fact that as a lay consumer, I can go in and buy a warm white bulb from company A, B, C, D, E, F, or G, and it's a warm white bulb. But if I go in without understanding the Kelvin temperatures and all that, I can't go buy an LED to an LED and have my room look the same. That, that is the major problem. And again, that comes back to the fact that there's no, there's no regulation in that side of the industry. So yeah, when you walk into Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever you buy your light bulbs, there's that – well, there used to be that you know 100-foot wall of shelving with you know just regular light bulbs from every manufacturer uh, – well, at least the top couple. <laughs> um, and every bulb was the same. It didn't matter what you had in your house currently. You go pick up that warm white or that candelabra, you know, 35 watt bulb, it's going to look the same when you put it in your room. Now, candle what? pardon? A candle what? Candelabra. candelabra. You know, it's that little flame like, tip bulb. I like the way he says it. Candelabra. Yeah, sorry. That's, that's a Canadian candelabra. pronunciation. Yeah, it's not like cantaloupe, but it's lighting? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> but now when you go in and buy LEDs, one, 
they're much more expensive. We all know that. You go into Home Depot today to buy, you know, a replacement MR16. It's going to run you about in Canada 35 bucks, probably 20 27.99 I would say probably in the US. Um, you can, you know, in the room I'm in right now, I've got six in the exact, you know, the main part of the room I'm in right now. I can go and buy six different bulbs that all have the same marking, the same name or not brand, but the same, you know, warm white or, or whatever. And if I put all six of them in, they're all going to look different. Every single one is going to have a different beam angle, uh, at least a variance in that. It's going to have a different Kelvin temperature, different lumen output, et cetera. It's going to make the room look like crap. The other, you know, thing that is just so hard on consumers is they just want to go buy a light bulb. They don't, you know, they want an energy efficient light bulb. They don't want to sit there and try and have an education on what creates light, blah, blah. You know, like I can talk about that for days, but they don't want to know. They just want a light bulb. And that's been the hard part as we've gone uh, towards these LEDs is that we've overly complicated an issue that they don't care about. They just want the room to look the way it did when they had halogens. Why can't they do it? Let alone if they try and dim the thing and they get down to, on most bulbs, you know, 30% and it just shuts off or flickers and, you know, starts a seizure. It's bad. They just want a light bulb. All so, right. Well, finally, <laughs> moving on, this comes from us from our friends at Gizmodo. Was the destruction of the Death Star an inside job? They, uh, this is a video that purports very conspiracy 9-11-like to connect the Familia connection in the destruction of the Death Star. Matt, you're a Star Wars fan, oh, and you haven't talked enough in this show. <laughs> no, he hasn't. No, you're not. <laughs> was, it, was it an inside job, or is this all Tim Albright's fault? It's all Tim Albright's fault. There you go. That's all I have to say on the topic. <laughs> Where to go, Tim? You killed the Death Star. Well, okay, so not that one went that one went down like a lead balloon. We're gonna actually move on to one more we have time for. The first domain name is twenty-eight years old. Now, last a couple of shows ago we talked about how Ethernet is just turned thirty. Oh, such a young, tender age. Thirty's the new twenty, isn't it? Yes. Boy, it's older than first it's domain older, name. It's older than Matt Scott. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, the first domain name was actually some computer company called Symbolics, which is now a blog for somebody who talks about metricing and, and, and computer stuff. Uh, but it's 28 years old. And my only question to you guys was, do we really care about this? Because wasn't Hamsterdance.com really the best website ever? No. <laughs> the best website ever is bradfordben.com. Oh, oh nice. come on. Save us. <laughs> that there, friends, was a self-emotional piece. He'll be getting a pill in the mail. Yes. It just shows all, it just shows all of our age. You know, 28 years, 28 years, whatever. Well, yeah, it shows kid. some of your ages. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think Matt Scott's only 28. No, no. I got a, I got a year and... Oh, you're still 27? Nine months. Oh, no. You're no, no, no. No, not two twenty-eight. I'm, I'm older than the internet. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh. Yes. No, I'm So is Al Gore, so is Al Gore your father? Pardon? <laughs> Al Gore That's is now. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. He <laughs> might my Because he, he invented the internet, you know? <laughs> well, what the one thing that to me is kind of interesting is that 
it proves the internet is older than people think it is. Because yeah, I, I wonder how many people think the internet didn't come about until Facebook or didn't come about until AOL invented it or all these other Net things. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Net is zero, is yeah. I think what's interesting is to see just how quickly 28 years has changed. Not the fact that it's 28 years. That's like, okay, it's 28 years old. I've got, you know, I've got shoes older than that. But, you know, the whole... <laughs> The whole in 28 years, look at all the things that that changed and people are now, you know, literally it's not that the Internet itself was huge. It's the sharing of the information, the ability to do all this stuff that's kind of amazing. You know, it's like we were just saying the inner the Ethernet is 30 years old. Well, if you think about it, how often do we hear in the audio industry, you know, this newfangled computer stuff for for audio, I'm never putting audio over Ethernet. And I'm like, it's a mature technology now. Yeah. It's, you know, I think that's the, the bigger thing is just how much it's changed the world in, in 28 years. Because if you think about it, everyone's like, it's all social media. And look what, what Twitter's done. I'm like, well, Twitter didn't do it. But it'd be like having one walkie-talkie if it was just Twitter. It has to have something to talk to. And the whole .com and the domains being shared and all that stuff. I think that's the bigger story that we got to remember is it's the interconnection that it brought that allowed all these other things that we're, you know, proud of, like the fact that Matt Matt Scott's hair has its own Twitter handle and its own Facebook page. And a website. And a website. Oh, a website. Well, I think you well, hit the nail with- on the head there, Bradford, though. It, 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 does, it is a testament of progress. Because, you know, I'm going back just 15 years and thinking – Back to my 56K modem running Windows 3.1. Ooh. Wait up, you had a mouse? When I started, yeah. we had PFS right and VisiCalc. <laughs> yeah, I had to yeah. use a chisel on, this, on the green CRT screen <laughs> to, to change keys. I had to flip cassette sides. What's this, you know, dial well, When stuff? I was a kid, I had to walk through the snow both ways uphill to get to the school bus. Do you oh, know wait, how long I would spend under my bus. desk looking for the token ring when I kept dropping it? <laughs> nice. Well, in that, All right, well, that's, with that, that's, we're that's, going to say this was a wonderful show. You have oh, been listening man. to AV Week. Joining me today was Michael Drainer. He is the Midwest sales manager for Sennheiser. No reflection Matt, on my company or the colleagues that I work with. <laughs> Michael, where can they reach you and find out about your doings? At Michael Drainer on Twitter or please visit SennheiserUSA.com. Also joining us was uh, Bradford Ben, the Evil Devils fan, but we'll accept that for the day. He is the applications expert of Harmon. That would be me. You can find me at uh, at Bradford Ben on pretty much any social media and internet domain of your choice. Or you can always get me at the office. And of course, you probably didn't hear a single thing from him because he was so quiet during the show. It's Matt Scott, president of Omega Audio Video. You know, you guys were so loud, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. I know, it's terrible. I know, like, I, I thought you wanted me on the show to get some opinions and stuff. Oh, my head hurts. You know, <laughs> next just... time, we'll just have to do a special with just you. Just... I just wonder, at what point did you realize you lost control of the show? Was it when Tim sent you the lineup of putting <laughs> yeah. Matt on the same show? That was probably was... it. Or was it during the first take of the introductions? <laughs> Although I do have a new show idea, and it's yeah. the it's the Bradford and Matt monologues. Well, it wouldn't be a monologue, oh, but we're there. You know. Just we could do that. Yeah, that I'm would on. be a great show. I oh, yeah. hear a uh, I hear a who's on first going on there somewhere. Yeah, people would pay for that show. 
I'm thinking this is going to be a great fundraiser. I'll even give all the money to charity. Nice. All right. And, of course, I shouldn't admit it, but I am your host today, filling in for Mr. Albright. I am George Tucker. Please do stop by abnation.tv. We have a whole host of other shows, uh, except, uh, yeah, a whole host of other shows. In addition to AV Week, we have a live life, which is about staging, AV Social, about marketing. Uh, we have EdTech and Howcast, both about uh, education technology and House of Worship stuff, and plenty more specials to come. I want to thank you for joining us and staying with us today. This has been AV Week. <laughs>